Welcome to the Trad Dads Podcast, where we examine cultural and political issues through the lens of traditional thought. All right. Welcome to today's episode. This is Levi Russell. I'm going to be talking about usury today. Uh, I did a poll on our Twitter account, and usury was the most requested of the four options. So I'm going to talk about usury today. And I just kind of want to provide an introduction. I think at some point in the future, uh, after I've read a little bit more and understand it a little bit better, I'm going to try to do uh, kind of a more advanced uh, more advanced series on usury and talk a little bit more about some of the, the ins and outs of it and, and try to um, maybe talk about applications of, of banning it and things like that. But right, right at the front, what I want to do is, is list a few sources that you can go to for information and I'll have them in the show notes linked. But the first one is a book that I'm reading right now called Usury in Christendom by Michael Hoffman. Um, and it's a great book because it kind of gives a history of the different uh, perspectives on usury. There is a blog by a now deceased um, man, I think, uh, who calls himself Zippy Catholic. Um, and there's a, there's a great Q and a, if you kind of want the St. Thomas Aquinas view on this, um, read the Zippy Catholic, uh, version, uh, or, or read his Q and a, uh, on it. It's really long, but it has a ton of good information. Um, the next thing I would say is ethics and the national economy, a book by, um, well, really it's, it's a series of books by, um, a Jesuit priest named Father Heinrich Pesch. Um, and IHS Press in 2004 um, had a translation done, and they published a relatively short book, 200 pages or so, um, out of this eight-volume work. Uh, they kind of uh, just pulled some pieces of it and put it into a book in English because, uh, of course, Father Heinrich Pesch wrote his book in, in German. Um, another is an encyclical, uh, by Benedict the 14th, uh, Pope Benedict the 14th called Vix Pervenit. Um, uh, has some interesting, uh, is a short, very, very short discussion. It's not really an encyclical. It's more of a, a letter to the Italian bishops, but, um, you can read it in Italian or you can read it in English, I think. Um, but it's, it's a, it's a nice little primer on kind of what the church thought at the time, um. I think around the 16th century of, uh, of usury. Um, the Summa has some information on, uh, the Summa Theologica has, has some, some information on usury, but you'll, you'll get a lot of that from the Zippy Catholic Q and a, um, and then I have a piece on, um, kind of more of a modern policy piece, you know, so taking sort of a common definition of usury, uh, what what would that look like if we were to ban usury? Um, and so from that, I think it would be good to start off just talking about definitions of usury and, and kind of how we understand usury. Um, so the general definition of usury is simply the taking of interest on loans. Um, and I would say across the different um, uh, texts that I've read, 
there's a pretty uniform disagreement with the common view. So the common view today is that usury is, you know, excessively high interest rates. Um, and there's a, I, I think across the, the documents I've read, there's a pretty, um, pretty uniform disagreement with that concept. Um, it, it's much more uh, fundamental uh, in terms of, you know, what is wrong with usury. So just to kind of go through kind of a basic definition. So the taking of interest on loans. And in, in my uh, short article that I wrote, um, I basically use the definition uh, that Zippy Catholic gives um, in his, uh, his piece. Um, and so what he says is basically, for all practical purposes, it's the, the taking of profitable interest on loans without collateral um, and, and those loans are full recourse. Um, so I'll explain all of that. So first of all, profitable interest, right? So, um, you know, is it, um, is it permissible for someone to take, uh, to, to recoup some of the costs of lending? And so if we think about this in a historical perspective, you know, banks didn't always exist. There wasn't always... Um, you know, this idea of a, um, an institution, uh, that, that collects money and then lends it out. Um, and so just as, um, you know, we, we think that any other service it's, it's reasonable for someone to charge for a service. Well, it's reasonable for a bank to charge for the costs of its operation, right? So you got to pay people to, um, you know, um, facilitate transactions. You have to pay some people to manage, um, you know, just manage a, any physical institution like a bank. Um, and so potentially, you know, some upfront fees, right. And we have these, these days, you know, you, you take out a loan, especially a big loan for a house or something. Um, you know, there's, there's fees and stuff like that. that The banks wants upfront, whereas the, you know, the, the, the interest is paid out over time. Um, and so, you know, maybe these fees, uh, or something like that would be acceptable, um, under the sort of zippy Catholic definition, which is what I'll call it. Um, so the next piece is without collateral. Okay. So, um, any, any loan, um, that has collateral. So that, that, that works in its favor. Um, if, if the loan is collateralized, um, in terms of its its definition of usury, so if, if the loan if the interest on the loan is profitable and there's no collateral, then it's automatically usury. And then the last piece is kind of related to collateral, um, but it's what we call full recourse. So full recourse loan is a loan that um, does not uh, th that allows the the lender to uh, basically go after the borrower for. Um, uh, uh, to, to make them whole, right? So, um, think about it, uh, in terms of, uh, you know, borrowing money for a car. Um, so a full recourse loan would say that if the, if, if you fail to pay, uh, you know, and somehow you defaulted on the loan, then a full recourse loan would say that the bank was entitled to the car, but if the value of the car was less than the balance that you owed on the loan, then a full recourse loan would say that you you have to make up the difference between the value of the car and the balance on the loan to the bank. Okay, um, a non recourse loan would just say that the bank has to receive 
has to take the car as its only um, payment for the loan, even if the market value of the car is less than um, the, the balance left on the loan. Um, <clears throat> so the next thing is, uh, if we if we kind of think about it as um, you know any any loan for interest is is usurious if it has profitable interest uh, on the loan and either has no collateral or is a full recourse loan. Um, and I, I line this out in my in my article that I'll that I'll link um, below in the show notes. Um, but I think I think that clarifies most of it. Um, so what are some examples under this definition? Um, well, any business loan, uh, well, let me get into the business thing later. Any consumer loan that has no collateral, so credit cards, uh, anything like that, um, as long as the interest is taken for a profit, which of course it is. Um, I mean, I, I, I would, I would be hard pressed. You would be hard pressed to find a loan that is not, um, that the interest is not at least intended to be a profit to the lender. Um, unless we're talking about, you know, uh, you know, your mom or your friend or your, you know, your parents or something like that. Someone, you know, loaning you money for a period of time, um, you know, in which case, you know, most of the time you're probably not going to have interest on something like that. So, um, you know, most loans today that you're going to get from any kind of an institution uh, is, is any kind of consumer loan is going to be usury. If there is collateral, um, in almost every case that I can think of, th- these loans are always full recourse loans, which means that they would be usury. Um, if you have a car loan, uh, you know the the bar the lender can come after you if if the value of the car is below the the amount that you owe on the loan. Um, student loans are kind of interesting uh, because certainly there's profitable interest. Uh, it doesn't matter that uh, the U.S. government is the one profiting from it. Um, it's still profit. Um, there really isn't any collateral for that. So uh, that would automatically sort of put it in the same category as uh, credit card interest. Um, but I think where some of these things become a gray area is, is where we start to blur this line between um, a consumption loan and investment. So any kind of a business loan, even if it's profitable interest, even if the interest on that business loan is profitable, uh, technically that would not be usury. Um, because the, uh, uh, any loan to a business, well, the, the entity, the business itself is the collateral for that loan. So it's collateralized. Um, and the interest is profitable, but it's, it's justifiable because the business is supposed to generate a return and the, um, the, the, the return that that loan generates back to the the owner of the business well a portion of that um, is justly uh, then paid to the lender um, because in a sense they are um, you know they they are uh, a, a, not an owner of the business but they are someone invested in the business in some way um, when I discuss a, another definition below I think or here in a little bit I think we'll um, that this will be a little bit of a challenge. Um, but anyway, business business loans under the Zippy Catholic definition, I think business loans would be um, justifiable because 
uh, th there's an investment there that generates a return and therefore the interest is justifiable. Um, obviously any kind of consumer loan, it's, it's a totally different story, right? Um, if you buy, um, a, a car or a refrigerator, uh, you know, for your own personal use, um, well, there's no return generated. And so then the interest is not justifiable because there's no, you know, um, there's no return generated by that. Now, if you buy a refrigerator for your business or you buy a car for a delivery business or something like that, um, then, you know, those, those items are either, you know, maybe overhead in the case of a refrigerator or, um, you know, they're directly uh, a profitable investment for the business in the case of the car. And so in that case, you know, both of those items would be considered, uh, you know, to be part of uh, uh, helping the business to generate a return. And so then uh, the interest on that would be, uh, would be justifiable. Um, so to go back to student loans for a second, you know, is, this, is a student loan, uh, is, that, um, is that justifiable because it is um, uh, uh, an investment in something? Eh, I, I would probably say no, um, because there's not, um, it, it's not a business, right? Typically, it's not a business that's actually taking out the loan, right? It's an individual. And um, I would say that, you know, at the time when the loan is made, there is no business to be investing in, right? You might say it's an investment in human capital. Okay, fine. But, but human capital in the real concrete world is not a business, so um, I, don't, I don't think we could call that investment for the purposes of a loan. So um, in the book uh, that I mentioned earlier, Ethics in the National Economy, this uh, excerpt from uh, Father Pesch's uh, broader work. Um, ah, just a sip of coffee there. Um, in his book, he, he really kind of brings in this concept of risk. Um, and that the, the, the test of whether something is usurious is, is the risk shared between, um, the, the lender and the borrower. Um, you know, and so this kind of fits mainly in the business realm. Um, and so the, the conclusion that you would draw, I think, um, is that, you know, equity investment in a business is morally permissible, right? If you're, if you're a stockholder in a business, well, you're the owner and you are taking on the risk of that business. Um, but a debt holder, uh, at least by, uh, you know, the, the common, uh, you know, Western uh, perspective on debt is that a debt holder does not take on nearly as much risk as an equity holder, right? So if, uh, if a business fails, the, the debt holders have to be paid out of the assets of the business and the equity holders can be left with nothing, right? You can lose, um, you know, in, in the sense of a corporation, you could lose uh, the entirety of your investment in that business um, as an equity holder. So you have sort of full risk, whereas a debt holder doesn't, right? They have some risk, you know, it could be the case that if the business goes belly up and goes bankrupt, there wouldn't be anything left for the debt holders to, to recoup. But because they're first in line, there's, there's such a, a significant reduction in the, in the risk they have, um, that, you know, this sort of thing would be, um, you know, considered usury under this idea of, of shared risk, um, 
you know, and, and we see examples of this kind of thing, uh, that debt holders are treated very differently. So back in the 2008, 2009 uh, recession, financial crisis, you know, all these bailouts of, of uh, bondholders and stuff like this with, um, with the, um, the uh, auto manufacturers and this sort of thing. You know, we can say this is sort of enabling usury from this sort of risk perspective. Um, and so, you know, I, I think this risk thing is, is interesting, and I think it, um, you know, I, I need to do more reading. But from my point of view, um, this, I think, gives us a little bit of a broader framework um, because, of course, you know, even wherever we get our sort of moral principles, if we get them from the Catholic Church like I do, um, you know, we have to also understand that these, uh, uh, while the moral framework itself is, you know, we take as given, the application of it is 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 sometimes a challenge, um, and especially as I'll talk about later, um, you know, the the Catholic Church and and Christianity broadly um, after the 16th century basically uh, dropped the concept of usury as a as a morally uh, impermissible action. Um, it, it makes things challenging because after that period, we, we started to get a lot more uh, innovation in financial instruments. And, you know, I'm sure it could be argued that we would not have had, um, you know, this expansion in different types of financial instruments. So I'm thinking, you know, sort of stock markets, um, bond markets, right? So markets for debt, um, these complicated debt instruments, um, futures markets, uh, forward contracts, uh, all these different types of things that, that really, um, uh, came out of, uh, the, this, the, that at least followed the, um, the, the lack of a ban on usury. Um, I think it would be interesting to see how, you know, if we could wind back time, how things would have shaken out if we, if we had maintained this ban on usury, um, but but I think what's what's interesting about this this um, uh, this shared risk concept is we're sort of uh, boiling it down to its its essence. You know what what about um, you know lending money is wrong, um, and and if we can know what about it is specifically wrong, then I think that that helps us to understand uh, how to apply it to these other types of contracts. Um, and I think I will save the other contracts thing for another episode because, um, you know, I would have to go in and explain what a futures market is or what, you know, what a call option is and all this sort of thing. Um, and I need to do more reading and more thinking on it before I really uh, come up with a better understanding of, of how um, these different things would apply. So um, the next thing I want to say is that there, there's another concept of, um, of usury um, that, that relies on this idea that money is, is, is uh, from, from Shakespeare's play, uh, The Merchant of Venice, it, money is barren metal, okay? So money, money is not like livestock. It doesn't naturally reproduce itself. If you put money, uh, you know, if you put some coins in a drawer and leave it there for 10 years, you open the drawer back up, there's only going to be two coins there. Whereas, you know, if we have a herd of sheep and we sort of let them uh, do what is uh, 
sort of natural to them, then we will end up with more sheep uh, over a period of time. Um, <clears throat> and so what, what's interesting about this concept is, is it sort of leads you to the notion that um, simple interest is okay. Simple interest is justified. And what I mean by simple interest is simply that um, if I'm required to pay 5% interest on a loan of $100, then that means that I just simply owe $5 in interest every period, right? So let's say, um, you know, I, I borrowed $100 from you for two years at 5% simple interest per year. Well, then that would mean that the first year I owed you $5 and the second year I owed you another $5 in interest. And then, of course, I had to pay back the principal, the, the $100. Um, and so there's potentially some justification for a simple interest under this view. But the idea is that, um, you know, money is barren metal. It does not reproduce. So how do we apply that to money? Well, then we start thinking about compound interest. And compound interest is that is this idea that we pay interest on the interest itself that accrues, not just the original principle of the loan. Um, and of course, you know, if you take any kind of basic course in finance, you take a basic course in accounting, um, you will learn, uh, and maybe I'll put a video, I'll put a link to a video up about compound interest. And it's just kind of, uh, it's really helpful to have a visual if you don't know much about it. Um, but the bottom line is most uh, lending these days, well, I mean, I would say pretty much all of it, unless it's some kind of something in your family or with a friend or something. Um, it, it is all based on compound interest. Um, and as a finance professor, I can tell you that, you know, the way we think about um, even equity returns is based on this concept of compound interest. Um, it's baked into the way we calculate things. Um, and so this idea of barren metal is simply that um, because nothing, nothing in creation can keep up with compound interest, right? So if you're, if you're always earning interest on the principal and the interest itself that you earned the previous year or whatever, that that grows so fast that there is simply no way that any earthly um, investment in, 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 in any kind of real thing uh, over a period of time can keep up with it. You know, compound interest over a 40, 50 year period um, would impoverish anyone because there's simply nothing they could do in terms of a business or anything like it um, that, um, that could justify uh, the idea of compound interest. And so the idea would be that, you know, sometimes simple interest would be justified. And maybe we would go back to sort of the zippy Catholic um, idea of, you know, full recourse, profitable uh, interest and um, collateral. Maybe we would lean on those concepts to see if a loan for simple interest would be justified. But in no case would we say that, um, you know, under this concept of barren metal, um, in no in no case is compound interest justified, and so just to kind of think practically speaking here, you know where uh, where today do we see any justifications for this idea that we would ban usury today? Um, and so I mean to me, you know it, it could be the case that certain you know countries have limitations on uh, you know the taking of interest, and and we certainly see that. Um, 
but as far as using this sort of concept of usury as a um, uh, as a as a as a justification for banning you know the taking of interest in general um, well today we have the concept we have we have Islam uh, Islam bans usury now of course there are ways in which someone will sort of informally compensate a lender uh, a borrower will informally cons- compensate a lender under Islam um, but it's but it's not allowed that you charge explicitly charge interest um, and so this is used by some people you know this fact that there's some recompense made to the lender it's like oh well that's just interest you know by some other name and and you know, potentially but I think it was it, it should be more thought of as um, as, as something that uh, fosters cohesion um, in the community or um, we can think of it as um, as sort of gratitude right um, I, I think there, there's other ways to think about compensating that that lender, and I don't know much about the the Islam case. Uh, I'm just throwing it out there as a as one moral system that um, that that does include this ban on usury. I mean, as I mentioned before, you know, the Christian world before the 16th century uh, pretty much universally banned um, usury, or at least um, you know the, the the Catholic Church did. Um, and, uh, the book that I'm reading, uh, right now called Usury in Christendom, um, by Hoffman, um, really is interesting because I think, so Hoffman is a Catholic, but he, he flat out says early on in the book, you know, we cannot say that it is the Protestant Re- Reformation that gave us usury, uh, back in, in Christianity. Um, there were plenty of Catholics after the Protestant Reformation that, um, that thought it was okay, and some that thought it wasn't. Um, in fact, Hoffman is not a huge fan of of the uh, the letter by Pope Benedict XIV, "Fix Prevent," um, which is interesting. Um, and he put sort of puts the blame for all of this on the Renaissance in general. Um, so, you know, he points out Protestant groups that did ban usury, but he also points out, um, you know, some that didn't. Uh, so highly recommend that book. Um, and it's not really expensive on Amazon. You can get their, you know, little, little printout book of it. Um, that's, that's pretty cheap. Um, so I kind of want to shift into maybe a short discussion of, you know, sort of what would happen or, or why wouldn't we want to ban, um, usurious lending? However, we want to define it using any of these sort of, you know, somewhat different definitions that I've that I've gone through. And so I'm taking this from my short article on usury. Um, But I I think I think the reasons why people would be opposed to banning usury. um, Well, number one is they just like the con like the idea that they can borrow money easily. Um. You know, they at least go into um, a situation where they're borrowing a significant amount of money or taking out a credit card um, as, oh, you know, well, it's it's okay if I, you know, have to pay a bunch of interest on, uh, you know, to get this new great thing that I want. Um, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll pay it back later. And, you know, the, the interest is worth it because, you know, I get it today. I don't have to wait. Um, you know, and, and, uh, I'm, I'm not, this is not a criticism of, of any 
person. It's a criticism of an action that I personally am guilty of as well. Uh, so, um, you know, I'm, I'm very much pulling the log out of my own eye, <laughs> uh, in this situation. Um, so I, I think it's, I think a lot of it is just, um, sort of a consumerist mindset. Um, and, and then the second one was sort of be a moral thing. <laughs> and so you'll get this from, uh, you know, all kinds of people. Um, but they'll just say something like, you know, whatever two consenting adults agree to, well, you know, that's what they agreed to. And you can't, um, you are not morally permitted to, um, you know, bar them from doing what they agree to. Um, you know, I, I, uh, I think that's sort of silly, but, um, uh, you know, if, if two people agreed to, um, uh, you know, um, you know, kill each other, well, you know, it's, I can still say that's morally impermissible and should be illegal. <laughs> um, so I don't think there's anything, uh, useful in that as a sort of moral concept. But I think the first one is, is very powerful in, in sort of just the way people think today is they, they want the stuff and they're going to get the stuff and, you know, uh, the future be damned. Um, and so, um, you know, if we certainly if we banned usury, even under the least stringent definition that I've given above, um, I, you know, <laughs> there would be a lot less um, consumer credit. I mean, I think consumer credit, you know, credit cards, uh, lands, loans on car, uh, cars and stuff like that would just basically have to disappear. Um so what would happen, you know, specifically, what, what, are the, what are the things that would happen if we banned usury? Um, so, I mean, a direct ban on usury, um, you know, the first thing we would see is just a dramatic reduction in consumer credit. Because if, uh, you know, you think about the, 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 the instruments, the, the, the loans that, that charge the highest interest are things like credit cards. And so, of course, if... Um, you know, uh, if we ban usury, if we ban the taking of interest on, on, um, you know, uh, even just consumer loans, right. Those would be the first ones to dry up because nobody wants to lend money, uh, for, you know, for people to just buy, you know, cheap plastic crap, um, uh, and not charge interest. Uh, so those would go away. And I, I would say most car loans probably would too, because, uh, I think, uh, and unless you have very, unless you have a very, very, very good credit history, um, or you have a significant amount of collateral, you would be willing to, um, you know, put up, but even then, right. So, you know, I, I think car loans would not survive not being, uh, uh, full recourse loans. Um, the banks would not take a risk on the value of that car because, you know, in general, you know, you buy a car at retail and then when you, when you want to get rid of it, you're probably going to take wholesale for it. If not just a, a vastly reduced, um, value. Um, so I think most consumer lending of, of any type would disappear. Um, student loans would probably go away as well. Um, unless, you know, so you, you would, and you would see, I think maybe to an extent you would see sort of a, a reorganization. So maybe things like student loans, um, you wouldn't have those, but you would have a situation where, um, you know, people would, 
go to a business and, uh, you know, a business would say, okay, well, we will pay for you to be, you know, for you to go through, you know, such and such an educational program, uh, providing that you, uh, you know, promise to pay back a certain amount or work for us for a certain number of years or something like that. And, and whether or not that's usury, uh, I, I don't know. Um, but I think that's, that's what you would see is sort of this change to different types of, um, arrangements. Um, and so just from a human perspective, I think, you know, this sort of this collapse in, um, I mean, the, the, the financial sector in general would just, um, most of it would just collapse, I think. Um, and that short run, you know, um, that short run hardship would be very difficult to bear. Um, and so maybe you would think about something like where, you know, maybe we phase this in over time. Um, and, and if you did that, if you sort of, um, you know, started with a certain class of loans and then progressively made the ban, um, uh, broader over a broader set of different types of loans, um, then I think maybe, uh, or even over the long run after such a collapse, right? If you just banned usury outright in one minute and, and, you know, the whole thing just fell apart, I think, I think kind of what would happen from a social perspective is people's, um, time preference would change. It would reduce their time preference. Um, people would just start to see that, okay, well, if, you know, these loans aren't available, right? Credit cards are not available for me to buy stuff that I want right now. Um, then they would just start to sort of take a longer perspective on things. Um, and I think it's just because, you know, our, um, you know, our, our minds are shaped by sort of the institutions around us, right? If, if something is illegal, I mean, that, that puts, um, that makes us think differently about that activity if it's illegal. Um, and so I think, you know, we would see um, uh, maybe a reduction in time preference. People would start to think about things over a longer period of time. They'd be a little more careful about the way they spend their money. Um, and, and I think we would, we would be um, more likely to, to sort of save our own money um, and just sort of live a simpler lifestyle. Um, you know, and so maybe we think, okay, well, how's that going to help the poor, right? So, well, um, you know, to a large extent, people who are desperately poor, um, you know, have have probably gone through bankruptcy at some point, so they don't have any debt anymore. Um, and so, um, you know, to the extent that they're, you know, running up a credit card again <laughs> just to stay off the street, you know, uh, that might not be good for them. Um, but I would say that... Um, Given the fact that other people would sort of take this different view, um, then maybe we would see sort of a resurgence in some of these, um, you know, sort of helping your fellow man kind of thing. Um, but but in any way, even even if you, um, you know, were concerned about this kind of thing, um, and and you, I, I don't think you would let um, the plight of the poor stop you from banning usury. I think if you were set on that, you would just say, well, you know, we're going to have to have some kind of a a program for people, uh, who are, who are really harmed by this and, um, you know, get them to, uh, uh, you know, get some kind of program going that will help them out, uh, through that transition. Um, I think, you know, what, what we'd also see is probably, um, an increase in the, the, you know, people sort of using, um, personal connections or something like that to skirt around the law. Um, you know, and 
of course that would happen. Uh, of course, you know, someone would, you know, find a wealthy friend and, you know, promise to pay a high interest rate to that friend sort of on the down low. Um, but I would just say that, you know, any, if, if, if the fact that other people, um, will not follow the law is supposed to prevent us from ever passing a law, uh, then we wouldn't have any, right? We, uh, we wouldn't have murder laws because we know some people aren't going to obey. Now, um, that, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't do it. Um, I think, you know, sort of as a secondary effect, you know, this idea that, you know, people would sort of have a, uh, take a longer perspective on things and, um, not be so, um, not be so, uh, eager to spend lots of money and, and run up credit cards and, and borrow large sums for fancy cars and such things. Um, I think, I think it would actually, over time, it would lead to less bankruptcy. So obviously at first, uh, you know, we have a, a wave of bankruptcies, right? And that would go with this financial collapse. But over time, we would see less of that, I think. Um, we would have more stability, right? So families would be more stable. Um, you know, people, instead of instead of relying on petty lenders and, and, and credit cards to get them by, um, you know, we would, we would build a small savings account. Um, or we would, uh, you know, be a little bit more attached to our community or our family, right? Because those are the things that um, really provide some kind of lasting, um, lasting support for us. You know, uh, Visa or, you know, Wells Fargo does not care about you. They care about you insofar as you can pay them back. Um, but, you know, your family, uh, your community, mm -hmm. you know, if you foster those connections, if you foster those bonds... Um, then, then those things will last. Uh, and, and I think banning usury would just be one way of, um, sort of forcing you into a situation where you have to foster those bonds, um, between family and community. So, um, anyway, th those are kind of my thoughts on it. And I would, I would love to have any feedback, um, that you have on this. Uh, you know, feel free to leave a comment on the YouTube, uh, video if you're watching it on there. Um, or hit us up on, um, on Twitter at trad dads. Um, you know, any, any comments you have on that sort of thing, leave a comment on the, uh, on the article on my article that I'll link, uh, from the blog. Um, would love to hear from you on this. If you have suggestions for me to, you know, read stuff or to try to, you know, to figure out which one of these definitions is a better one or makes more sense or, um, you know, is, is more supported by some, uh, you know, by the Catholic church or by some other, you know, maybe the way Islam treats usury. Um, I would love to read that stuff. And I want to do some more episodes on this because I think it's an important subject. Um, and I think, you know, we're in a time when, you know, especially student loans are a huge issue. Um, and just, you know, other things like credit card debt in general, people are talking a lot about this stuff. And so I think there's a lot of room to have some discussions about this kind of thing. Um, so with that, I will sign off. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Trad Dads podcast. If you enjoyed our show, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app and consider giving us a five-star rating on iTunes. It really helps us out.